Wow. You know, it's great to believe something, isn't it? Hello. It's great to believe. You know, it's good to remind ourselves of what we believe. You know, we believe what we've just sung. It's not a song. It's a confession of faith. It's not just words that that flow poetically together. It's a declaration of what it means to have faith in Christ. And you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes you have to sing it to yourself, don't you? You have to just remind yourself, hey, this is what I believe. This is what is my heart's conviction. This is what the delight of my heart is all about. I'm here today. You know, we're here today because we believe in Jesus. Tell your face it's good news. You know, remind yourself, it's good news. It's good news today. It's, it's, it's something which, which just kind of comes down right in the deep depth of our heart. I've got this thing in my thing today. I don't know quite what it is. It's going to bug me if I leave it there, so I'm just removing it. You know, sometimes we just have to, you know, when we come together, it's good just to break through in praise to God. Are you excited to be a believer today? You know, have you got a conviction deep in your spirit? This is, this is why I'm here in this place today, because I believe in who Jesus Christ is. And that belief changes everything Everything about my life. It changes what I look for. It changes what I'm about. It changes what I'm trying to take hold of. That belief brings me to that point of conviction today. And I just, you know, think as we gather in the name of the Lord, it's good for us just to remind ourselves, just to remind ourselves sometimes, just to have those open moments. That's why we're here as a church, because of our faith in Christ. Father, I just thank you today for drawing us to yourself. I thank you today, Lord, that you've put within us a conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, we've come to that position, Lord. Lord, from all kinds of different backgrounds and walks of life and all kinds of situations and all kinds of circumstances, Lord, we gather here in this place this morning. And Lord, the theme that's in our heart is, Lord, you've given us life. There is life in Jesus Christ. And so we come expectantly, Lord. We come looking to you. We come and gather in your great name, Lord, because of what you've done for us. And Lord, as we gather around your word now, Lord, uh, Lord, as you already have begun to speak to us, Lord, just about trusting you, I pray, Lord, that through your word that you would just, Lord, put something deep within us today that would bring life to us as we serve you and as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, Okay, we're in uh, the book of Timothy this morning. just for a few moments, we're, we're finishing this series that I've been doing on, um, uh, on the kingdom, and uh, we've just done a few little sermons on it. Um, but if you weren't here last week, or even if you were here last week, I want to encourage you to listen again to um, what Tim Alford, we had Tim Alford, our, uh, our leader of our youth ministry in Elam, with us last week, and he spoke a great word to us on um, the suddenly and the silences of God. And uh, if you didn't hear it, I just want to encourage you to go on the website and listen to it. It, it was a great word. He, he preached out the park last week. Do you know what I mean? I'm feeling a bit nervous about preaching myself after him last week. Um, but, you know, it's just a great word for us about our lives and uh, to our circumstances. I even felt it was a word for us as a church that even in the silences and the difficulties that we've been through, actually we've still got to look for the suddenlies of God, that, the things that God wants to do. And uh, So if you can go on the website and listen to it, I'd encourage you to do that. I think it'll do you good. Now, we're in um, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
And we're going to read from verse 1. It says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he has loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metalworker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through my, me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a passage. Wow. You know, uh, Paul is uh, just encouraging Timothy and getting him to focus on what's important to him. And you just get an insight into his life and the stuff that he's working out, the stuff that he's going through, trying to hold on to it. And I want to really just leap in and check the first couple of verses today. Um, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. I give you this charge. Uh, And he goes on to talk to him about what he needs to do, about how he needs to live, about what are important to him. But it's because that his appearing is coming and his kingdom is coming. You know, I want you to know today, that's why we are gathered here today, because we have the hope of the appearing of Jesus. We're not here because we're religious. We're not here because it's uh, warm and cozy, because the heat's not on today. Um, We're here because we are looking for the appearing of the Lord. We're looking for his kingdom to come in our world. And we've been talking the last couple of times I've been preaching really about being people of the kingdom, that we need to stop just uh, thinking of our lives is through an individual filter. It's a very individualistic world. It's all about what works for me, all about what happens to me, all about what I'm looking for in life. But Jesus has brought us out of a kingdom of darkness and individualism into the kingdom of the son he loves, where we're called to live in the truth of who he is and what he's done for us. And therefore we're working and living in the kingdom of God. And it brings a different um, kind of focus to our lives. And I've talked about having a kingdom perspective and seeing uh, things with, with a kingdom view. I, I, I talked about being having a kingdom attitude, that we should have thankful hearts, that we should be filled with the Spirit, that we should have faith, the childlike faith in Him. And I want to round it off today really by talking about kingdom realities. Do you just want to go back to that first picture, please? Um, just of the, how does a parliament, if it's there. Kingdom realities. It's really interesting, isn't it? 
just at the moment, we're seeing the realities of leading a kingdom all, all every day before us. You know, the stuff in the news, stuff about Brexit, opposition, all kinds of stuff. You know, when you're leading a kingdom, when you're in a kingdom and you have the understanding of, hey, I've got to put this together, it brings all kinds of realities to you. And you want to live outside of those realities, but actually you're stuck with them. Because they're kingdom realities. And I want to talk today just about kingdom realities. Thanks. Go back to the verse. Um, So that we can just uh, try and unpack them a little bit. What it means to us to follow Jesus. What it means to us to live for his kingdom day by day. And how we work that through. And I just want to give us a a few kind of uh, insights into that today. Uh, First one is this. That we see a spiritual reality behind our physical one. Don't you love that picture? I've got to get me one of those headsets. We see a spiritual reality. We are looking at a different world to the world around us. Now, I want you to think about that today. See, we've got to be able to say, this world is not my home. This world is not my home. You see, it's too easy to live as if everything about our lives is about this world. And we need to have a bigger view than that. It's not that this world is bad. But I'm not saying that. I'm saying actually beyond the physical limitations of this world, there is another reality which is a spiritual reality which God lives in and is bringing his people to dwell in. And we've got to see that. We've got to be, it's got to be something that we focus on. It's got to be reality for us. We need to understand it in view of his appearing. Listen, um, uh, you know, Paul says elsewhere, you know, if there is no resurrection from the dead, we ought to be pitied above all men. He says, I'm looking for this reality that is beyond this physical reality. I'm looking for his appearing. I'm looking for his kingdom to come. That's why I'm, he, and he even says it, he said, I'm, that's why I'm uh, fighting the beasts at Ephesus. He says, because I'm looking for something that's beyond just what this world has to own. I want you to just think about it today. What do you see today that is real beyond this physical world? What are your eyes looking at? What, what are you understanding? What are you believing for? What is, what is helping you make the decisions of your life as a follower of Christ that is not just flesh and blood and, and the physicality of this world? Because we need to have a different reality that sets our agenda as followers of Christ. Hello? We need to see something that says, you know what, this isn't everything that I have. This isn't everything that is the focus of what I'm about. I am looking and I'm living for the return of Jesus Christ. I'm looking for his kingdom to come. And it might be in my lifetime. Wow, wouldn't that be amazing if we were the generation? I'm not sure about that. Half the people who are just like... Friends, honestly, if we don't think it could be us, we don't really believe it. Hello. Let's get in our theological minds today, shall we? If all we're doing is following Jesus in a nice way, not really believing he's coming, we're believing an image of Jesus that we have created for ourselves, not the one he's revealed to us. Because he said he's coming again. He said that every eye will see him and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So if all we're doing is following Jesus who helps us sort out all the problems of our life, we're not believing what Jesus taught. Amen, Dave. Great point. See, we have to gather around theological truth. We're going to talk about it in a minute. We are looking at a different reality. And when you believe that, then you have to start to look at your life differently. You have to look at the obstacles that are in your life differently. You have to say, hey, this isn't just about me. This is about the kingdom. I'm not just working through this difficulty. I'm living for God in the midst of this difficulty because I believe his kingdom's coming and he's going to take me to be with him. 
So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I believe he's with me and he will bring me into victory in him. That's, that's it. It's got to be that. It's got to be, we've got to foster that in our heart. Because how many of you know that doesn't always just happen naturally? We don't all wake up thinking, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven. We wake up going, please help me, Lord. Life's tough today. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. Stuff's going on. I've got challenges I don't really know what to do with. And we've got to look to see the spirituality. That's why the early church cried, Maranatha, come, O Lord Jesus. Why? Because they were waiting for him to come. They were looking for him. They were hoping he came. The truth is, some of us don't even give it much thought at all. And we live our Christian lives. We're going to take it on board and say, you know what, Lord, I'm living with a view. I want to ask you, how much of a view of eternity do you have in your life how much of a view of the invisible of a different reality do you have in your life how much of the decisions that you make are made understanding that heaven is real and God is going to appear one day or how much of it is about well Lord I want this 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 to be sorted here because it brings a different view into our lives. And kingdom reality is, I am seeing the unseen. The Bible says it, doesn't it? For a light and momentary troubles. Everybody say, light and momentary. <laughs> How many of you want to have a word with Paul about that description? What were you thinking, Paul? Have you seen my life? Friends, when you see his life, you understand what light and momentary troubles are. In prison three times. Shipwrecked three times. I mean, how unfortunate is that? Three times. Whipped three times, imprisoned, left for dead, stoned. My light and momentary troubles are achieving for me an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What is that about? He's saying, I see a reality beyond this. See, sometimes we're always saying to God, God, look at my life. This is all I have. This is the, is it really, do I have to go through this? As if this is the total fulfillment of your life. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. What's he talking about? Is he talking about no problems on earth? Or is he talking about an eternal glory that can far away them all? That's what he's putting in front of us. And we've got to believe him and trust him. And we've got to say, yes, Lord, I believe you're going to give me the desires of my heart. Because the desires of my heart are being shaped, not by what I want, but by actually what you believe. And what you've spoken and what you've released into this world. So I'm taking hold of you and what you've called me to be. Kingdom reality is not based on what we see or feel with physical senses, but is, but is about what we see in the spiritual realm. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Can I say to you, we need to start making decisions in the light of what is eternal, not on what is temporary. See, if you went, you know, we have a tent. And when we go camping every year... It amazes me the stuff we have to take camping for 10 days. I say to Julia sometimes, this isn't our permanent home. We're not going to live here forever. I cannot physically get another thing in the car. (laughs) We're sitting on duvets and pillow. You know, we're only going for 10 days. Usually we come early because it rains. It's temporary, but the truth is we want as much stuff as we can for our temporary trip. How many of you know that's true for life? It's temporary, but we live as if it's eternal. But friends, it's not eternal. 
the world is passing away, the Bible says. And so therefore, we need to make decisions about our lives, not just in a temporary context, but in an eternal one. Because God is leading us into eternal life. That brings a different reality to us. It brings a different perspective to us. We are confident, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. Faith. I'm not living by what God is doing for me today, but I'm actually living for what I believe God to be. That's what we sang it earlier. That's why it's important. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Godhead three in one. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that he'll come again. I believe that he died for me. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe those things. And because of that, actually, my vision of the world is different. I see things differently. My reality is not shaped by the stuff that happens. Listen, Brexit will come and go. Our reality is not about Brexit. Our reality is about what God has done for us. We live in the consequences of it. That's life. But our reality is taken from Jesus Christ. The grace of God is still sufficient. We heard it last week. No matter whether we're in Europe or out of Europe. We've all got opinions about it. We could have a very interesting discussion and argue for years about it, couldn't we? But you see, that's just a temporary thing. There's an eternity that really matters to us. And we need to see that. We need to see that reality. And when you have it, it changes things. When you have a different reality to the physical one, you can sing even though you're in prison. See, we read about Paul and Silas singing in prison and we think, oh, aren't they amazing? No, they're just normal. They just had a different reality. The reality wasn't the change. The reality was we are people of God. You know, you read about when the, the disciples were whipped, uh, were, were beaten and sent away for preaching this name. And it says, and they rejoiced that they'd been counted worthy of suffering for the name of Christ. Wow. Wow, that's a big scripture, isn't it? I don't even rejoice when I get told off. I've got to learn to rejoice. Why? Because you have a different perspective. I see it. That it's the Lord's purpose. See David worshipping in the temple in spite of his sorrow. Why? Because he had a different perspective. How different is your perspective today? What's setting your agenda? What's filling your vision of life? Is it just the temporary things or is it the eternal things? Friends, you might, this might sound like I'm laboring a point, but you know what? This is really important to how we live as followers of Jesus. It's a reality of being part of the kingdom of God. I believe in him and I believe in what is eternal and what is coming. Here's a verse that's going to blow you away. Hebrews 11:25, about Moses. It says this, he chose, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Well, that's amazing. But then it says this, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Wow, what a verse. Moses, son of Pharaoh, chose to be mistreated along with the Israelites rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Well, that's amazing in itself. But then it says he chose this because he was looking ahead towards the kingdom of God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? See, that, that, I think that's amazing. You know, some of us, we, we can't even put up with the power being off. 
It gets under our skin. We're so used to it, aren't we? We're so used to the temporary realities being the dominant thing in our lives. When we don't have them, we find it hard to rise above them. But we've got to start to say, you know what, Lord, I'm seeing a kingdom. See, sometimes we just have to say, that's why the psalmist again and again, he says to the people of God, lift up your heads. Says, lift up your heads, get a different perspective. I love it in that um, Dead Poet Society when he makes his students stand on the desk. Do you remember? I remember doing that in my church in Stoke one day. I made everybody stand on the chairs. All these old people started to fall off. I was really worried. No, no, I didn't, I didn't make them fall off. I made them stand on the chairs because I said, you know what? It's different. Let's sing a song standing on our chairs. Not much, not much appetite for that in here this morning. Why? Because sometimes you just have to sing. You have to, be, you have to see something differently, to sing differently, to have a different perspective. It's not just a gimmick, friends. It actually changes us. What happens in our lives. And this has always been a challenge to the people of God. If you read the, New, if you read the Old Testament, you see it again and again. God reveals himself. He reveals himself. He shows himself. He gives people a taste of eternity. Man alive, they had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Can you imagine how full this place would be next week if we had a pillar of cloud right here? You'd all be going home saying, you never guess what happened in church. There was a pillar of cloud. I'm going to the evening service just to see the pillar of fire. Why? Because there was a reality there. And even with that revelation of God, it took them just a few months to start to look at their own physical reality. Instead of saying, isn't it amazing that God's with us? They said, he's brought us out in the desert to kill us. Wow, why? Because they let go of a different reality. And they've been taking hold of the reality that surrounded their lives. We need to see a different reality. Secondly, we need to hold on to the truth of God's word. I love this. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Man, if there's ever a a scripture that sums our generation up, that's one of them. We just want to hear what we want to hear. We don't want to hear anything that uh, upsets us, that's discordant with us, anything that makes us feel. And so I'm not, I, I'm not talking about the big theological debates of the world, although they're part of it. But I, I'm talking about the stuff that comes to us so simply. We've got to hold on to the word of God. We've got to say, you know what? God says it. That's good enough for me. We've got, we, God says, I'm going to take hold of it. You know, and uh, we can look at our world and we can see the debate to ignore what God said. The debate to ignore what God said. And friends, that debate is as old as mankind itself. That debate is as old as mankind itself. You see it there in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Did God really say? Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say? You see, if, if... If the enemy of our souls can undermine what God has said, he can cause chaos. Because it all becomes a debate about what we believe God to have said, rather than saying, God has said, let's take notice of it. 
And what happens is we begin to debate it and defer it. And we're into that place now. Did God really say? Did God really mean that? And you know what? Here's, here's the trouble, friends. We're going to get to heaven and we're going to discover that God did mean it. We're going to have to understand that he, he has laws that he's placed. And we might not agree with them, but actually they're still his laws. We might be uncomfortable with them. They're still his laws. I'm uncomfortable with the 70 mile an hour speed limit, by the way. But evidently, it's still the law, said the policeman as he talked to me. <laughs> we're uncomfortable with it. There's lots of things we're uncomfortable with. There's lots of things we might not. Listen, it doesn't make us a bad person because we maybe don't think we like the rules that God gives us. The truth is, we've got to hold on to the word of God, not dismiss it because it suits us. And listen, you can get people to say whatever you want them to say. You can get people to say well, whatever it is. You can listen to someone who will tell you that everything's okay, that there's no consequences, that it's fine. Listen, it's out there all over the place. But the truth is, what does God say? You know what? I don't think you've got enough time to debate the technical bits in the Bible. I think if you just did what God said, you'd be okay. So sometimes you just got to say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm just going to obey you. Lord, everybody else might go, oh, you don't have to do that. But you know in your heart, the word of God said to you, this is what you have to do. Listen, you don't have to tell them to do it, but you have to do it. Listen, it's not my job to tell everybody to live as a follower of Christ. It's not, friends. I'm not going to stand on the streets and condemn people for choosing to live a different way to the way I live. I'm not going to do it, friends. But I am going to say, this is what the Lord said to me. I'm going to do it. Difficult, isn't it? Friends, there's a clash of cultures coming, big style, in our nation. And we need to understand, just because we disagree with people doesn't mean we don't respect them. But we're going to hold on to God's word for ourselves. Mm. Tricky, isn't it? See, it's a kingdom reality. We can't just say that black is white. We've got to say, no, this is what God says. We're going to seek to honor God with our lives. And that will bring us into situations. See, God says, repent of your sin. He doesn't say it's okay to live the way you want. God says he has sent Jesus to make a way back to him. And it's only through faith in him that you can be saved. That's what he says. God says that faith in him will bring salvation and new birth. That's what he says. God says, forgive those who hurt you. That's what he says. God says, come follow me and deny yourself. That's what he says. So we have to hold on to the word of God and say, you know what, Lord? That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I can't make that decision for you, and you can't make that decision for me, friends. You can only make it for you. Please don't try and make it for everybody else. Just decide that you're going to follow Jesus. If somebody doesn't want to follow Jesus, that's fine. Don't be condemning them and saying, well, you're living a life that's terrible. They know. Let's face it, we all know the stuff we do wrong, don't we? If I was to go around this morning and start talking about your faults, how many of you would still be here in 10 minutes? When I got past Rob, the place would be empty. We don't need people to talk about our faults. Listen, people out there don't need to be told that they're sinners, friends. They need to be told there's a savior. Because they know there's sinners. Hello? Sometimes the church is its own worst enemy. We can't expect people who don't trust God to hold to the word. We have to trust and hold to the word. Okay, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? 
Hold on to it because it's life for you. Here's one of the most incredible verses, Isaiah 66, verse 2. This is how important the word is to God. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. That's how important the word is to God. So if you're going to live in his kingdom, you need to take his word seriously. What that means is when God speaks either through his word or by his spirit, you have a responsive heart that's ready. I love the story of the father, uh, sorry, yeah, the father who came and asked Jesus to heal his son. The royal, it said the royal um, appointee, he was someone in the royal household, and he came and said, my son is at home sick, if you would just come. And Jesus doesn't even say, I'll come. He just says to him, go, your son's healed. And it says this amazing scripture, he said, the father took Jesus at his word. Wow. Are you taking Jesus at his word? Are you taking Jesus at his word? Are you believing him when he says, follow me, deny yourself? Or, or, or is it, oh, well, I, 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 don't feel, I don't feel comfortable doing that, Lord. I'm not going to do it. No, I've taken Jesus at my word, at his word, and I do what he calls me to do. We've got to hold on to God's word. And then finally this morning, we're called to fight for the king. We're called to fight for the king. See, his. Here's the difficult news, friends. There is opposition to your life as a Christian. Paul says there in Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me, and not only to me, but also to to those who have longed for his appearing. He says, you know what? There is a fight to take hold of what Jesus has prepared for you. We're called to be people who are in the fight of faith. We're called to be people who are fighting for the kingdom. Listen, friends, we don't fight in the way the world fights. We don't fight with uh, fists and weapons and, you know, with violence and force. We don't fight like that. That's not how Jesus taught us to fight. But we, we have to come and say, you know what? I'm someone who's in for fighting against the oppression of our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm someone who's going to proclaim hope and the kingdom because actually, the, the, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus triumphed over principalities and powers and Satan on the cross, but there's still a fight going on until he returns. And therefore, we have to live with an understanding that we are at war. Listen, when all hell breaks against you this, this week, you can either be a victim in it and go, oh, life is so unfair, or you can say, God, I will not allow my life to be robbed of the goodness of God in me. Didn't hear many amens, folks, because that's difficult, isn't it? difficult isn't it oh I wish I could just say if you're having a bad time just uh, shout at the enemy and everything's going to be okay but friends it does not sometimes what you have to say is Lord all hell is coming against me today but your word tells me to stand in faith in you so today I choose to believe that you're a good God and that you surround me with love and with life and with faithfulness and I'm going to take hold of who you are because I'm trusting you that's that's the reality of it And therefore, we have to kind of take hold of that for ourselves. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it does come, you may be able to stand your ground. Christianity is not the easy life. Rather, it's learning to stand in the power of God against the evil forces of our world. That, that, that seek to overwhelm our lives. Friends, this is the truth. And we need to understand that this is a kingdom reality. You see, we can't say I'm part of the kingdom if we don't understand that there's a fight involved. 
If we don't understand that we will be tested in our resolution. We will be tested in our faith. We will be tested to stand in God. Sometimes, friends, it's overwhelming, just like being in the middle of a battle. And you have to say, Lord, help me. Lord, be with me. See, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, Paul says. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What kind of strongholds is he talking about? He's talking about strongholds of the mind. He's talking about demonic strongholds that are in people's lives. He's saying, listen, we fight a a battle that is, again, in the spirit. It's in a different realm, and we've got to understand how we fight that. To fight that, sometimes you have to say, you know what? I And and, and he, he says in 2 Corinthians 10, I haven't read the verse, but it says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ how many of you know sometimes the biggest battle in your life is the battle in your head (laughs) sometimes I am doing battle in my head I look crazy because I'm just under so much pressure in my head about stuff is it just me and I'm having to say you know what (laughs) thanks for that lone hand of show there Emma just you and me love do you know what I mean everybody else is together in here and sometimes I'm just having to go you know what That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And even if it is true, that's not my reality. My reality is in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to allow that to destroy my walk with God. I'm not going to allow that to take me away and take me out from the purpose of God for my life. Because I know that my reality is not what's happening here, but it's where I'm going to take hold of. That's the life of faith, friends. It's extreme, isn't it? See, the world doesn't understand that. It's lunacy to the world. It is, isn't it? Because until you have a revelation of God in your life, you just live for this world as if it's everything. But when you know God, you understand, no, you know what? This world isn't everything. I'm fighting for eternity now. I'm fighting for the King of Kings. I'm fighting for the day that he comes back. And if I'm alive, I'm going to just watch him appear. If I'm dead, I'm going to rise up to meet him. Come on, that's all right, isn't it? And all of a sudden, the King of Kings is going to come. That's the hope of the world, friends. That's what we've got to take hold of today. Paul speaks about this fight in our lives. Listen to it. He says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in endurance and trouble, hardship, distress, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, purity, understanding, patience, kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. I love that. You see, we fight with a different spirit. We fight with a different attitude. We fight with weapons of righteousness. We fight with weapons of love. We fight with weapons of joy. Always remember the story of David Wilkerson, founder of Team Challenge, who, as he went to Nikki, uh, Nikki Cruz, I was going to say Nikki Gumbel, but it wasn't Nikki Gumbel. Nicky Cruz on the streets of New York, and as the guy took a switchblade to him and said, I could cut you into a million pieces, preacher. He said to him, and every one of those pieces would say, God loves you. That's power, isn't it? That's, that's the weapon of the kingdom. It's to respond with love and grace. It's a weapon of the kingdom to pray for those who persecute you. That's the love of the kingdom to overcome evil with good. See, that's the strength of the kingdom of God. 
And so we need to change the way we do it. Paul tells us to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness with uh, an attitude that causes us to live for the king, a shield of faith that will put out the fiery darts of the evil one. Even some of you today, you've got to lift it up and say, you know what, I will not allow these darts to destroy my faith in God. Here it is. I trust him. I don't understand where I am, but I still trust him. I, don't, I don't, can't figure it all out, but I still trust him. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and praying in the spirit. You know, we don't encourage us to pray and have prayer times and quiet times and all of that, simply to have a religious platitude. We do it because actually it's through our prayer and understanding the sword of the spirit that we're able to overcome the enemy. I heard there was a thing on Facebook today said Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. Most of us don't even pray for our friends. And I thought, ouch. That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe some of the people that we were friends with would be still following Jesus today if somebody had prayed for them. Maybe some of the people who we count as our enemies, as people who heard us today, would be our friends if we'd prayed for them. You see, when you pray for your enemy, it changes you. It might change them, but it changes you definitely. Because you have to be humble before God and you have to forgive them. See, it's not one of those prayers, get him, Lord, finish him off. It's a prayer of, Lord, I come to you humbly today and I ask you to forgive me for my attitude towards those people. If I've hurt them, help me to say sorry. Before you know it, you've changed. Why? Because you've started to pray for your enemies. They might never change. You can't determine whether they change or not. Hey, even God can't change their minds because he's given them a free will. But as you change your heart, as you pray for those who've hurt you, all of a sudden you come into something fresh in God and the reality of the kingdom becomes stronger in your life because he's working in you. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. We're fighting for our king. It's a reality of our lives. We don't live free to please ourselves as followers of Christ. We please ourselves to follow him, but after that, we're living for him. We're living for him. We're saying, I'm living for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm seeking to please him and honor him with my life. It's the kingdom today. Can I ask you today, what consumes your vision? What are you looking at? Do you have a different reality that shapes the way that you live, the decisions that you make? It's not the temporary things, but it's the kingdom of God. What are you holding on to today from God's word? Even when it costs, even when it's difficult, even when you have to confess it and all of a sudden you say, I don't know what's going on, but I choose to trust the Lord. That's what following him is all about. We're fighting for our king today and his kingdom. Our enemy, the devil, the Bible tells us, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. So we fight not with weapons of this world, but weapons of love, of hope, of grace, of goodness, of perseverance. 
That's what it means to be an overcomer. Today, maybe you're not yet a Christian, not yet part of this kingdom of light, still held by the darkness of sin in your life and the consequences of it. But Jesus came to make a way for you to come into his kingdom. So what we preach here every week, through dying on the cross for you, he made a way so that those who are far from God can come close to him. The Bible tells you just to repent and to believe and to follow. Repent is acknowledging that you need a savior. Believing is recognizing what Jesus has done for you. Following is being willing to change and to live for him. Then you can receive his gift of new life. Let's just pray today, please.